Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the Invisibility Today podcast. I'm your tiny disabled host, Laura Elliott. Last month's show sadly didn't happen because of a bit of a health crash for me, which coincided with the very happy adoption of a kitten who kept me sane while I complained to anyone who would listen. I am, as always, heading ever closer to my true calling as a cat lady. For now, though, I'm back in the podcast chair, albeit without a news roundup thanks to my lack of health, making it very difficult to keep up to speed for the last few weeks. I am, however, very excited to say that this month's guest is Samantha Baines, an actress, comedian and broadcaster who you might have seen in shows like The Crown and Call the Midwife, but who's here to chat about her experience with getting a hearing aid and the work she's been doing with the BBC and Action on Hearing Loss since then. Welcome to the show, Sam. Hi. Hi. So you found out you needed a hearing aid when you were really very young. What made you go to a doctor in the first place? So I didn't actually realise I had um, a hearing loss problem. I mean, you know, looking back now, obviously I can see the signs, but at the time, you know, when I didn't hear people in like bars and cafes, I just thought they're not talking loud enough. And like, oh, the TV, this programme is just really quiet on the TV. That's why I'm turning it up. It's not because I can't hear it. Um, So I originally went to the doctor because I had tinnitus. But again, I didn't realise the type of tinnitus I had, I didn't realise that's what it was because I always thought of tinnitus as that high-pitched beat, which um, I do have as well. Yay! (laughs) Um, But then I started hearing a sort of wavering noise, tinnitus, which is kind of like... I was basically started hearing that in my ear and it was brought on by really loud noises. So if I was ever out in a club, that would bring it on. Or I was was performing at the Edinburgh Fringe and obviously there were a lot of loud environments there. And so every so often it would just bring it on in one ear. So this is tinnitus, I now know. I didn't know that at the time. So I was a bit worried about what it could be. Um, I thought it might be just like an ear infection or something, but... I am a bit of a hypochondriac, so I was genuinely slightly worried that I had a spider living in my ear. (laughs) See, that's obviously the first port of call, isn't it? Obviously. I mean, I grew up watching Star Trek with my dad, and there's this one episode of Star Trek where they put a bug in someone's ear and it, like, eats through his brain and wraps itself around his brainstem and his ear's bleeding. So naturally, I was worried. (laughs) Obviously, I can see the, the logical leap that took. Yeah. Also, like, you always read those weird news articles, don't you, about, like, oh, my God, I had an animal living inside my head and I didn't know. And then one day, like, they laid eggs and all these tiny spiders crawled out my ear. Like, that's what I imagine might be happening. So I sort of went to the doctor and sheepishly was like, is there something living in my ear? And luckily my doctor knows me quite well so she didn't react too badly and she she had a look in my ear and she was like no there's no spiders in there (laughs) sounds like we might need to send you for a hearing test i i love the idea that actually more people than just you think that but that doctors aren't really allowed to tell us how many patients genuinely think they've got things living in their head well because earwigs (laughs) you know as the name suggests yeah scared me a lot as a child and I think since hearing about earwigs and also that Star Trek episode I've always slept when I was younger with the covers over my ear in case something crawled in so I've always had a weird ear thing so this Um, was actually quite frightening then when you when you you know for that to happen you've got you've got form for this 
Yeah, like, I, I'm sure other people must worry about things living in their ears. I mean, it, yeah, yeah, let's go with yeah. <laughs> if anyone else worries about this and they're listening to this podcast, please can they tweet me? So, yeah, so it was the doctor who sent me for a hearing test. And I, I don't know, at the time, I guess I just thought it was a formality and it, it wasn't really going to come back with any sort of problem. Or maybe I had an ear infection or something, you know, like that. And so then I went for the hearing test. And the weird thing about hearing tests are that you can't hear what you can't hear, if that makes sense. So you think you've done really well. But you've got no baseline to measure that against. Yeah, because you don't know what you're missing because you can't hear it. So I also I'm quite competitive. So I was like, I've won. I've won the test. <laughs> But, but weirdly, every time I do a hearing test, even since I got my hearing aid, I'm like, oh, my hearing's perfect again, I've won. And then they're like, no, yeah, you still need your hearing aid. <laughs> it's this weird thing because you can't hear it. Um, but anyway, so I went for the hearing test and I thought everything was fine. And then at, at the end they said that I have um, higher frequency hearing loss, moderate higher frequency hearing loss, um, and it's worse in one ear which is my right ear, and they would advise that I have a hearing aid for my right ear. And that was a complete shock. Like, I didn't expect it at all. Absolutely. It's actually quite rare, I think, to have hearing loss predominantly in one ear as well, isn't it? Yeah, so normally you lose your hearing at the same rate in both ears. So that meant that I had to go for more tests, obviously, because they wanted to check there's nothing more sinister. And weirdly, when I went for my hearing aid fitting, I'd obviously, hypochondriac, remember the spider thing, I'd obviously Googled, and with hearing loss on one side, the cause of it can be a brain tumour. Right, so that's not terrifying at all. Yeah, which is like a hypochondriac's gold, like everything leads to brain tumour. So, um, and I, when I went for my hearing aid fitting, I asked the woman doing the fitting and I said, because she said, we'll have to send you for an MRI. And I said to her, is there, you know, obviously if you have a tumour, does it correlate with a sort of certain part of your hearing that you lose? And she said, yeah, the higher pitches. And I said to her, which one have I lost again? And she was like, the higher pitches. And that's all she said. She didn't then go, but, you know, the statistics of having it are blah, blah, blah. She was just like, the higher pitches. Full stop. Good luck with that. Off you go. (laughs) So there's no reassurance there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but it wasn't a brain tumour. I went for an MRI. Well, after lots of times of being really scared... And convincing myself that I had some sort of growth in my brain. Um, I went for an MRI. But the weird thing about an MRI as well is the waiting list is quite long, so you have to wait for months and months of anxiety. And also, they don't tell you straight away. So it's not a fun experience because they put you in a tube and there's a like lights over your head and really loud noises that are like... Um, and then you come out and they don't tell you you have to go and see your doctor so I remember looking at the woman who'd done the scan like is she looking at me like she'd look at someone who has a brain tumor or is she looking at me because they must know because they see it all the time or is she looking at me like someone whose brain looks 
tumor free and so I was like trying to read loads into the way this woman was looking at me and she did this particular smile when I said goodbye and I was like oh my god I'm gonna die she looked at me like I'm gonna die but I but no my brain does not have any tumors in it yeah no spiders or tumors so that's a big relief um but the weird thing is like I will probably never know why I have hearing loss um, more in one ear than the other mm. and as you know a hypochondriac and also you know a comedian who does shows about science and like facts so I do loads of research for my show the fact that I don't have a reason for something is really stressful mm. but um it could just be that I stood too close to a speaker one time it sounds like it was actually quite a stressful experience since it's uh it involved the search for a brain tumor and the uh awkward misinterpretation of the radiology lady's smile but since you've got your hearing aid has has anything changed for you since has it all been positive or have you has it taken some readjustment yeah I mean I should say that obviously I'm a comedian so my way of dealing with stuff is making jokes about it but yeah it was an incredibly stressful and shocking experience and I felt very alone and I felt that there was no one else in the world who was 30 years old and had a hearing aid and actually you know since I started talking about it publicly and even just like with my friends on Facebook it's come out of the woodwork that loads of women of a similar age of me as me have hearing aids Mm -hmm. and people that I knew and worked with but they just never spoken about it before. So actually, and also I'm working a lot with Action on Hearing Loss, the charity, who are absolutely brilliant. And, you know, I've got involved with some of their projects and we've done a comedy night. And it, it's been great because it makes me feel like I'm not alone. Because I think when sometimes when you do get that diagnosis and it's completely out of the blue, or even if it's not, you know, it can be so shocking and isolating and makes you kind of reevaluate everything because you know I present on the radio so I um I cover present on BBC Radio London and BBC Radio Ken and on hearing I need a hearing aid I was like my god can I not be a radio presenter anymore like does that mean I can't do my job and also acting I you know I do period dramas as well as other things so obviously I can't wear a modern hearing aid in a, in a period drama will it and it be visible so there was a whole sort of is this gonna ruin my life is the first thought when they said you need a hearing aid um and then I left the audiologist and I walked back to the tube and I was sort of in shock and then I found myself just I started crying just in the street Uh and so I tried to find somewhere quiet to have a cry and ring my mum and the only place I could find, because it was in Stratford in London, near Westfield Shopping Centre, and the only place I could find was the bike shed in Westfield Shopping Centre. So there's like, it's where people like tie up their bikes. It's a little room with loads of bikes in it. Um, so I was just crying in there, like calling my mum and my husband. And then I remember a woman came in obviously to get her bike or leave her bike or something and saw me like hysterically crying on the phone and just sort of like stopped like rabbit in the headlights and slowly backed away (laughs) without turning round. and it was a it was a really funny moment I thought what must she think like (laughs) I just really care about sustainable transport (laughs) 
my bike's got a puncture and I like just really love the bike um so that was quite a funny moment but yeah I you know it was a really difficult situation but mm. since I've got the hearing aid it's one of the best things I've done mm. because I guess because I was so naive to the fact I had hearing loss in the first place I just thought that like not being able to hear so many things was life um, and then I got my hearing aid and now I can hear stuff. I know that sounds really obvious, <laughs> but it's kind of amazing. Like, so I tried NHS hearing aids, which are obviously brilliant. And if you don't have, because hearing aids can be really expensive. If you don't have enough money to pay for a hearing aid yourself, then it's brilliant that the NHS do do it. The problem with that, though, is that obviously because of the, pr the price point that it needs to be for the NHS to afford it, they are sort of seven years behind in technology to the private sector. So I did go private and I've got a Phonak hearing aid now, which is super tiny. And like, I, I always thought hearing aids are these like massive things that you wore on the back of your ear. They still can be, but my hearing aid is tiny. It's like an earbud and it just goes inside my ear. And it's bright red and it's really tiny like a chilli and, you know, no one can see it. Although I think there is a weird thing about why why do we make hearing aids so you can't see them? Everyone always says to me, oh, you never know you had hearing loss because you can't see your hearing aids. And it kind of makes you think, well, what would be the problem if you could see it? Yeah. And what would be the problem if you could tell I had hearing loss? You know, so I find it a weird thing that we do hide hearing aids yeah and um, i would love to have one any companies are listening i would love to have like a bright pink glittery sparkly hearing aids <laughs> and like show it off yeah, um, but this this phone up one's great because the technology just means that it compresses background noise i used to shy away from going to loud environments or if i went to a loud restaurant and there were no like soft furnishings to absorb the sound I'd be like, no, it's too loud. Can we go somewhere else? Whereas now, because my hearing aid kind of compresses background noise, it's still not perfect, but I can actually hear stuff. Mm. I don't have to focus so much on lip reading mm. because it has just made my life so much easier. Mm. And it was only when I got the hearing aid that I realised how much lip reading I was doing, but without knowing, you know, I, it was something that I just you know unconsciously learned to do to help my hearing yeah. putting the hearing aid in it was like such a relief it was like I didn't realize how stressful that is mm -hmm. and how draining it is when you're concentrating so hard on trying to hear something mm -hmm. and also watching someone's mouth to get the words they're saying mm -hmm. once you don't have to do that anymore it's like like you're on holiday <laughs> yeah right. frees up your brain space you're not constantly concentrating on things that other people are taking for granted yeah definitely and and things that i was taking for granted because i had no idea i was doing those things mm. until you know i started the whole process you see i love the idea that you could get like that you should show off the hearing aids i actually do agree with you that it seems an odd thing that we would hide obviously in your in your job, like you say, period dramas, it is probably brilliant that you have such a small hearing aid because for your job, you really do need to hide it for certain roles, I imagine. But for other people, we maybe should be more open with the fact that, what is it, one in six people are hard of hearing? Yeah, so one in six people have some form of hearing loss mm. and there's 11 million people in the UK. I think before I started obviously working with Action on Hearing Loss and finding out more about hearing loss because of my own, 
I would never have thought that that many people had hearing loss. And also, I read somewhere that the World Health Organization predicts that in like 20 years, hearing loss is going to be the number two, like the second biggest health condition across the world because environments are getting louder. And I I actually did a piece for BBC Inside Out on BBC One for, for London. And we kind of went around Soho and measured... So it was with um, Inside Out BBC One and also Action on Hearing Loss. And we went around and we measured decibel levels just in like pubs and bars and restaurants around London. And it was actually so shocking, you know, the levels that we're exposed to on one night out. And, you know, we worked with an audiologist and he kind of told us what the recommended amount was. And on that one night out, you know, the levels I was exposed to over the time I was, was a damaging level of sound that's quite amazing isn't it and i think it's just something we're not really aware of in everyday life and obviously since i've got my hearing aid i've become more and more aware of it and i do think it's something that you know we need to address if the world health organization are predicting if it's the second biggest health condition then that means so many it's going to be more than one in six it's Mm. going to be like one in two if not more people again as have hearing loss so and it's things like Public transport so loud. So this is the one of the things we looked at on BBC Inside Out was the noise levels on the tube. And some areas of the tube is damagingly high noise level. The uh, <laughs> the activist in me wants to like start a campaign. I was thinking, you know, like Jamie Oliver did school dinners. <laughs> like Samantha Baines does sound on the. But like to sit down with, you know, TFL and these you know, rail providers and, and say, like, you need to look at the sound levels because if you're getting the tube, you're going to be getting that at least twice a day. So, you know, yeah, stuff like that and portable headsets, like, I do just think it's something we need to be more aware of because obviously I would prefer it if I didn't need a hearing aid. But because now I have it, it's great. You know, now I have hearing loss. A hearing aid is a godsend. And I would say anyone who thinks they might have hearing loss, do get it checked out and do get a hearing aid because so many people say that they need one but they don't want to wear it and even older people so my mum has hearing aids but a lot of people have said to me you know since I've started doing jokes about it on stage and stuff that you know their parents have a hearing aid but they never wear them you know you can go to Boots and have a hearing test now and get a hearing aid from Boots and they have all different price ranges but I, I know what people are, are going through because when I first had my NHS hearing aid, the bit that went in your ear was too big for me because they didn't do it small enough. So, like, it was actually really uncomfortable, almost painful for me to wear, which obviously means I didn't want to wear it. Mm. So, yeah, I, I, I was exactly the same. I just didn't wear it or I wore it for certain occasions. But the thing about a hearing aid is... You have to wear it all the time. Like, So I'm at home now and I'm wearing it because your brain has to get used to the fact that it's now hearing through your hearing aid. Yeah, so it's got to almost compensate for it. Yeah, so it needs to... Even things like balance, you know, your, your brain has to get used to the fact that the sound's coming in in a slightly different way and then, yeah, compensate and get used to it. So if you only wear your hearing aids once the blue moon it's actually not going to be that useful for you i mean this is this isn't me making up it's my audiologist told me this um 
but it was kind of it was kind of a revelation for me because when she explained it I was like of course that makes total sense and I've just been putting it in every so often and then it gets really distracting as well because you're so aware of the fact you're wearing it yeah and the first time you put it in it feels so alien and like not a part of your ear and you know you're like how am I ever gonna not feel that I've got a hearing aid. I think it's a bit like, sorry, fellas, it's a bit like putting a tampon in for the first time and being like, how will I ever not know that I have a tampon in? This is like so weird. And then the more you wear it, like a hearing aid, you yeah. just get used to it and you forget <laughs> it's in. I think you might be the only person that's ever compared a hearing aid to a tampon, but I'm fully on board with this. <laughs> no, but honestly, it's, I think it's so similar because. I mean, I'm going to say sorry, fellas, again. But also, I do think that these are things they need to know about because one day they might be fathers and their daughters might need tampon help. But so when when you get your first tampons, it has that thing that comes with it, like instructions of how to put them in. Yeah. Yeah, because you do look at it for the first time and you're like, how does this work? This is so confusing. And you've got to, like, put one leg up on the toilet seat and it's a whole, like, palaver of, like fitting your tampon for the first time i do have to say that a hearing aid is very similar (laughs) because it's like i remember that when i went for my first hearing aid fitting and the second one actually i remember the person showing me how to put it in and they did it and it was like oh easy and then i did it and it was like i couldn't find my ear It was so it was so difficult and I got really embarrassed the first time round because I just couldn't do it like I couldn't get because there's a bit that needs to go in a certain bit in your ear and then the rest needs to you know if you've got um a hearing aid that goes behind your ear you know there's two different bits of it that need to do different things and genuinely it is a very complicated procedure and even my small in-ear buds now like getting it in smoothly for the first time it took so long whereas now i'm like a pro and it goes in in the second same with tampons yay (laughs) but yeah there are loads of weirdly confusing things when you're like doing it the benefit of uh when you're learning to put a tampon is in is you've not got someone watching you Yes. And I had this woman who was like, it's really easy and had just shown me how to do it. And then she sat there in my hearing aid fitting. <laughs> she sat there and said, I'm j- we're just going to go through it until you can do it really easily. And honestly, I must have been there for like 15 minutes fiddling with my ear. And I, I was like bright red. And I was so I'm a stand up comedian. Like I stand on stage in front of hundreds of people and tell jokes and I perform like in film and whatever. And I was so embarrassed at this one-on-one, like her just watching me while I was like messing up, putting a hearing aid on. <laughs> it was awful. Oh, but now, now that you say you're a pro, you don't need any instructions for tampons or hearing aids. No, winning at life. Yeah. You've been saying that you've been doing obviously things with charities and going around me- measuring decibel levels. Have, um, have the inevitable hearing loss jokes entered into your comedy routine? Yeah, so obviously the most common hearing loss joke is I'll say to someone, I have a hearing aid, and they'll say, what? So, you know, if anyone's listening who doesn't have hearing loss and you meet anyone ever who does, don't say that. Because we hear it all the time, and it's just not... It's really obvious. Like, as a comedian as well, it's a very obvious joke. Like, try and be more original. (laughs) Um, 
so I've, I have had to put that into my routine just because it's such an obvious one and I've tried to do gigs where I don't do it and then people will come up to me afterwards and be like do you know the joke you should do like like they're the first person who's thought about it so um so that yeah there's that one so you're becoming like a hearing loss ambassador yeah like weirdly I never thought obviously I never thought I'd need a hearing aid but I I didn't realize that you know I've never done a charity run or any of those things I, I I'd like you know I give money to charity and things like that but I I you know I never would see myself as a kind of charity ambassador particularly but it's just been brilliant to yeah work with action on hearing loss because they understood exactly what I was going through and it's meant that I've met so many more people with hearing loss and been able to you know who are going through similar things to me and also been able to get involved with projects that that raise awareness because I do I do think it's really important to me that um you know if another 30 year old woman whatever age but you know if another me found out that they had a hearing aid I'd like I'd like us to get to a place where they didn't think that they were, you know, strange or wrong or odd or all on their own. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if they can go, oh, that weird comedian I heard about once, Samantha Baines, has a hearing aid and she got hers at 30, that maybe they'd feel like they weren't alone. So I'm more than happy to be like the poster girl for hearing aids. (laughs) (laughs) If it means that, yeah, if it means that it might, you know, give someone some comfort and also maybe educate some people on on how damaging loud noise can be. I think it's just making people, yeah, more aware. So what would you say to anyone who is a little bit worried and has been thinking about um, getting a hearing test? What advice would you give them? So I would say to them, I found out that on average it takes 10 years for someone to notice the symptoms of hearing loss and do something about it and that's a crazy long time and imagine the strain you know you're putting your body through having to deal with hearing loss over 10 years so I would say don't let that be you also you might feel a bit silly you might be like oh I didn't hear something once I don't know like it's not a waste of time you're not wasting anyone's time by going for a hearing loss a hearing test or you know as I said you can go for a hearing test at Boots now um, and I think I think it's free I'm not sure you know you don't have to go to a GP if that feels like too much of a big step for you like just pop into to Boots or there are loads of places on the high street that you know you'll start to notice them it's really funny once you get a hearing aid you start to notice hearing aids everywhere and also I'm starting to learn um, BSL, British Sign Language, and now I'm noticing people doing sign language everywhere. It's like once it gets into your psyche, like you'll see places on the high street that are like hearing centres or places you can go in for a test and or go and get your hearing aid fixed or whatever it is. So, you know, just pop in and have a test. Like, why not? It's like 15 minutes of your life and it might make your life so much better. You know, people have said to me already, like, oh, I saw you on stage and I'm going to go and get a hearing test because I think, you know, you might be talking about me and, like, something I've been through. And that's awesome. So make me feel better is what I'm saying (laughs) and just go for a hearing test because it'll make me feel nice. Make Sam Baines feel really good. Um, um, And also, you know, you might help yourself. You might be able to hear stuff, which is awesome. 
As Sam says, do get a hearing test if you think you might need one. And if you enjoyed hearing Sam chat, which I certainly did, she has some more exciting news to leave you with. My new podcast is called Periods, Amazing Women in History. And it's it's a show about celebrating the lost women in history from all areas, uh, women that aren't household names but should be. Um, And it's coming soon in July 2018. But if you, we've got a Twitter account, which is just at periods podcast, follow us there. Um, we'll make announcements when the episodes are out. And I'm also on Twitter at Samantha Baines, B-A-I-N-E-S, and on Instagram at Samantha Baines. Now we come to our final section of the show. And this month we're shining some visibility on one or two of the disabled and chronically ill creators and fundraisers you might be interested in lending your support to. In literary and writing visibility, you can now pre-order Jessica Taylor Behrman's book, A Girl Behind Dark Glasses, detailing her battle with a severe form of ME, which she contracted when she was only 15. You can pre-order the book now at her website, www.jtay.co.uk. Another incredible book that was released this month is Sick, a memoir, by Porachista Kakpur, which is a memoir of chronic illness, misdiagnosis, and the struggles of relapses and late-stage Lyme disease. You can order the book on Amazon and at Barnes & Noble, IndieBound and Pals Books. In fundraising visibility, in the month MPs in the UK held a debate about the treatment and research for ME, you could donate to ME Action UK's fundraiser to help them reach their target of £55,000. This will enable them to hire an on-the-ground UK organiser for advocacy, campaigns and medical outreach. You can find a link to the fundraiser on their Twitter page at UK, and there's still a way to go, so every little helps. For now, though, we've reached the end of the fourth Invisibility podcast, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If there's a disability topic, activist, creator or news story you'd like to see featured here next month, you can contact me on Twitter at at visibilitytoday or email visibilitytoday at gmail.com. For now, thanks for listening, and I'll see you in July for another look at what's invisibility then.